he reminds me a lot of myself and and he got to run the 57 even paul said like he he's got a lot of the same qualities and and driving style as me he's definitely the best that's been in a wing sprint car at that age in a long time Episode nine of the High Limit Room is live here on Flow Racing. Dylan Welch, Brad Sweet, Kyle Larson with you, reflecting on a couple of nights, uh, two races and six nights for the High Limit Sprint Car Series with racing action at Grandview and Kokomo also completed uh, earlier this week. Uh, we normally start off with a victory toast. Nobody won this week or last week, so um, we got to step it up, I guess. We can toast it, toast two good nights of racing. I think though, with the High Limit Series, and um, been a lot of fun. Two new winners, two first-time winners with Rico Aber at Grandview and uh, and Justin Peck at Kokomo. So um, let's let's go back to Grandview and, and and start off, you know, with that. Obviously, it rained out on Tuesday and, and pushed to Wednesday. The crowd was great, though, still. And I think that was that was something that we kind of talked about a couple of weeks ago leading into this race is that crowd is always good at Grandview, but um, they showed up again on Wednesday. So certainly thankful for for all of you race fans for coming out and joining us again on Wednesday. Uh, Kyle, it was another one of those classic Kyle versus Rico duels. Uh, Rico got the best TV on this one, but um, I guess we can appreciate that the win streak is finally over and somebody else got in a victory lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know <clears throat> all the, the high limit, uh, you know, higher ups were excited, I think, to see me not win. Or, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it was a good race. Rico's been extremely good all season long. So I wasn't uh, surprised that I was you know, going to end up battling for the win. And you, he, he passed me pretty easily there. I, I had been choosing the bottom on the restarts and it was getting slicker down there. And I just thought I could do better taking off up top and taking off early. And, uh, I thought I did a good job. I just, um, I guess I just Rico did a good job as well, though, you know, executing that and staying low down the straightaway and, and then shortcutting one where I, I did not, I thought I, I thought I launched good enough and could get to just run in my line and get my momentum built up as quickly as possible and just didn't work out. So I knew that was going to be a little gamble um choosing the top and it just didn't work out that time so um came up a little bit short but uh great crowd as you mentioned great racetrack they had a lot of rain obviously the day before and um you know, come feature time the track the track was awesome you know so uh hats off the track crew and, and everybody for for you know, all the hard work and running an efficient program yeah brad let's so kyle brings up a good point let's talk about that from from your perspective as the guy kind of down there getting your hands dirty um what kind of task was it uh i guess we can start tuesday you know track just took too much rain obviously but then what kind of task was it wednesday to just kind of get it groomed back into into running order and and get it good for the feature yeah i mean luckily they're up on a hill at grandview and a lot of that water drains off um just too much water and rain was just kept coming on tuesday so um you know wednesday they have so much equipment and they do a great job they had uh graders on the track packers water trucks uh skid steers i mean they had everything that you need to to make it all work so they did a great job um i was just there to kind of support and, and give my two cents but um they had the track you know ready to go um it was obviously with the rain the night before it it just took a lot longer to burn off and and get you know to the grand view that we all know and expect which is you know slick and wide and and they did a good job just through the night just you know kept working at it kept trying to grade the material off and 
um, you know, luckily in the main event, it, it kind of came to life. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's really what we hope for. Obviously we want good heat races, but a lot of times, uh, we're working towards a good main event. And I think the fans got to see a great main event. Uh, obviously I was surprised when Kyle chose the top, uh, made it interesting and Rico did a good job, you know, getting the bottom there. And, and then, uh, the race got interesting late in the race. Um, you know, Kyle kind of, it was almost like roles were reversed from Eagle. Uh, I felt like Kyle, uh, tried to pull pull the slider on Rico maybe a lap too early in in uh, three and four there and, and Rico Solomon knew to change his line in one and two and uh, it was just good good racing uh, it's been fun to be a fan and and uh, you know see how good the racing's been uh, from the infield that's not a typical place that I I've been watching from but I've really enjoyed the last couple of races. You guys can both discuss this. I mean, Kyle, you know you've had I think probably more driving experience as far as the choose cone goes. But Brad, you've watched a lot of races and, and had, had a little bit of experience as a driver doing the choose cone this year. But um, I'm curious, you know, how you pick the lines. Is it more important to pick the line that launches the best on the restart? Or do you pick it based on what the racing line is that you prefer? Like, how do you how do you guys decide in the moment what's the most important and the best lane to choose? Well, I think <clears throat> I think there's a kind of a handful of factors that go into it. Um, I mean, for me, I've been, you know, in the front two rows for most of them this year, you know, Lakeside and, uh, 34, I, I was more mid pack and could kind of, you know, had decisions to make. And, and I think within those decisions, you've got kind of shortest lane. You know, I mean, you're, you're always probably going to go for the shortest lane. Um, if that, if that's available, but then if that's not available, you kind of, you, I mean, you got away like, well, what? it's tough with dirt, you know, they're like, okay, you may be able to initially launch better in the bottom, but you know, when you get to turn one is the top, you know, where you want to be for momentum and, and air and all that. Uh, you also have to take into account, you know, who's around you, you know, who's in front of you, um, what their tendencies are. You know, if, if somebody chooses the top that you know, doesn't typically run above it or something like that, you can factor that into it know that you're going to, or, or at least have a, high chance that you'll have a, a lane to go above them in one. Um, you know, if you choose the bottom is, is it slick and narrow down there? But you know, if you hit it, is it, is it going to be worth something? So there's, there's a lot of thinking that you have to do really quickly. Um, you know, in, in our, our crew with the high limit series has done a good job of like getting things organized uh, right after a, a caution and then, you know, quickly going into a, the choose cone. So it's like, it's hard to think about all this and weigh all those factors and then be ready to choose when it's time to choose. So, you know, I, I like the choose gun because as soon as the caution comes out and you guys get single file, it's like you're thinking about, okay, you're, you're running all those scenarios in your head. And like, if this guy chooses that lane, where do I go? Stuff like that. So it adds, it adds a very great element to, uh, to the race and, and having to kind of think your way through a lot of things. And, and even when you're leading, it doesn't, whether it's a choose cone or not, when we do double file restarts, like with the outlaws, for instance, you're choosing high or low, you know, so that's always a, a thought process that's on your mind is, you know, uh, which, you know, typically the most important thing that I look at is, is what lane is going to launch better. And at least, you know, you don't want to give the other guy uh, the advantage, at least, you know, right out the gate. So I at least like to be ahead. Um, you know, then whether I'm going to guard into turn one or, you know, 
whatever that is. So typically it's the bottom, you know, I feel like seven, eight times out of 10. Um, but sometimes the bottom will wear out and you got to start looking at the top and it's a very awkward feeling when you're leading the race and you choose high and then the guy gets on your inside and you're like, man, this is, you know, it feels tougher at times. And I've had a few go, you know, the wrong way, like Kyle did where you get it in your head. Like I got to start up top because, you know, I'm going to get the run. And then it's like the bottom ends up coming, you know, just a shorter distance or a better launch and they get in front of you and it, it makes things hard. So yeah, it's a, it's a very challenging thing with a uh, dirt racing, the double file restarts. And then obviously the choose, choose cone just allows the guys that, you know, are behind the leader to not be, you know, so tied to the leader. So there's a lot more cho choosing, you know, going on throughout the field. Um, and that that's probably, you know, factored more into like how your car is handling and what line you've been running and, you know, maybe who's in front of you, things like that. You're just, you know, you're just trying to uh, get the best, you know, spot that you can get. Yeah, you're right. So the outlaws, of course, do get to do that as as the the, the leader. You do choose your your restart lane. So, um, yeah, definitely has added a, a different element this year to, to our races and um, has been a lot of fun to watch. So uh, moving on to Kokomo, that was, again, the rescheduled race from early May. Uh, we talked a lot about how special that place was, I think, to all of us earlier this year. And uh, it delivered on the hype. It delivered on on everything that we kind of expected from that place. Uh, Justin Peck won his first feature since February at Lincoln, cashed in on the Durst dice roll. Finally, we've we've made some changes to it. And we, we finally got somebody that uh, was <laughs> able to cash in on the bonus. So uh, and the cool thing that, you know, we're doing, too, and, and, and Brad, you know, I think part of this was was kind of you and Chris spearheading some of this was was getting a race fan involved to to roll the dice, which um, I think is a fun element that kind of gives the kids a cool opportunity to to be involved a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, we we obviously explored every option that we can with the the Durst dice roll and uh, the drivers. I think just with the with the big money on the on the line, and you know, they're just not really willing to give up the front row spot. And it just seemed like we were maybe wasting a little bit of time with it. Um, we weren't really getting a lot of traction with it. It seemed a lot better on paper than it, than it actually uh, was turning out to to be at the track. So, uh, you know, for right now, I think it's kind of fun to have a fan, you know, a younger fan interact, get to roll some dice. And then it's kind of just a luck of the roll, um, you know, and, and Justin Peck, obviously it rolled, rolled his number. He got to win an extra $3,000 on top of the 23,000. So that's pretty cool to give a guy, you know, $26,000 on a Tuesday night. I, I thought that was really neat. And uh, I thought he drove a great race and, and deserved that for sure. Kyle lap traffic, you know, made things interesting all night, um, you know, in the feature. And um, at the end, you know, I, I think that the, the yellow at the end was, was, uh, obviously reset things and, and took you guys out of lap traffic in that battle. Um, did that, you did that yellow at the end. Do you feel like that decided the race? Did it have a big impact on what you could do ultimately to challenge for the win? Uh, I mean, it for sure made it tougher to be able to win. Like I was going to need him to make a mistake on the restart, which was probably not going to happen because he was really good. Um, but I, I don't know. It would have been, I mean, you don't know how the race is going to play out. It was, it was an intense track. So, um, you know, if the caution doesn't come out, I don't know, but if he runs, you know, two clean laps, even in traffic, he probably still wins. Um, but yeah, it was just a, 
it was an intense racetrack. So it was, it was a lot of fun and, and you catch lap traffic so fast there. It just makes the racing really good. How gnarly was the ledge through one and two there? I mean, it, it looked like you had to be, be about perfect. Well, it got, yeah, it was, it was very, um, it was very tough, you know, like early in the race, there was a cushion on entry, but it wasn't like too bad. So you can kind of, you could kind of get your right rear above it to, uh, you know, free your car up some also get a little bit better angle to, to miss the curb that was you know, in the center of one and two, but then it got really ledged up on entry. So then it was hard to enter above it. It was, it was really slick below it. So I never quite found a, a good way to get through there. And then that cushion in the center, even you know, earlier in the race, you could kind of even still run above it at that point, but it got pushed up enough where you couldn't run above it. And if you did, you'd get your rider over it and it'd want to like spin you to the infield. Um, and then, you know, exit too. like if you did a good job of missing the curb and not getting tight in the center well then you're like higher off the two and in the crumbs and couldn't get down the back stretch like you needed to so there was a lot of different ways to get through one and two and i don't know if any of us the last half the race got through there exactly how we had planned uh, going you know into the corner but um yeah just it makes things tricky and and fun and um gets the heart rate up and um it's, it's a workout when the track's that aggressive. And then three and four, even, I mean, three and four was rough, higher than I've ever ran at Kokomo probably too. So, um, it was just a great track. They did a really good job with the surface as they always do. I mean, Kokomo's amazing all the time, but I really think wing sprint cars around there are, are perfect for that place. You know, I think I not, maybe not perfect for that place, but I think out of all the cars that race at Kokomo, I think the wing cars put on the best racing just because you can use that wing speed to, to stay up the racetrack in three and four. I think a lot of the series that you see run at Kokomo, they, they all run the same line in three and four, you know, a big entry into three and, and cut across and dive in the exit, you know, non-wing cars, midgets, dirt late models, probably even the thunder cars. So, um, it's just a, the wing sprint cars are, it's just fast paced super aggressive and in the, the i feel like you have more lane options as well to all the non-wing fans that wasn't me that said that that, no, that wing racing was better at kokomo so I'm just I think wing better all around so it was it was a great as a fan i was i enjoyed the show i was in the infield watching and it was it was definitely intense um it was fun to watch three and four got got tricky one and two was super tricky um, you know, we tried to bring the bottom back a little bit before the A, uh, but I didn't want to make it too, you know, I didn't want to get it too good. And then everybody start running the bottom. So, uh, we moved the tires in a little, had a little bit of water, but, uh, the O'Connor's there, Reese, he does a, an amazing job, uh, like you said, and, uh, he had the track perfect all night. You know, there was a, I think you had to do a little extra hot lapping and then qualifying was equal all the way through. The heat races were great. The dash was exciting and, Oh uh, man, and then the A main was good too. So uh, it was just a, a great night there for sure. Does the diamond move work in a wing car? Like that is like the Kokomo, that's like the Kokomo, you know, staple, right? Like that's what everybody does through three and four, like you said. I mean, does it work in a wing car or do you just got to get going up, up up on the high side? Well, I mean, it, it works. It's just slower. So, you know, with the wing, you can just enter, You like to run the diamond, you have to like run to a point, stop and start turning down the hill where you just waste too much time while you're changing direction to where when you're just with the wing, you can just run momentum up there 
and um and carry that speed all the way through the corner and, and all that so um you know early in the night it looked a little bit more useful like some guys tried it in qualifying and you know the cushion was lower at that point there's a little more grip on exit down the bottom so you know there's a lot that weighs into it but it yeah, seems I like the, yeah i think the ahead. track got a little too high i feel like the track got like that like the further the distance is the harder it is to track to do the diamond across all the slick so like once it got a little like rough and that's another thing like changing directions as your car's bouncing is really hard so there's a lot of factors i think that basically made the, the diamond line very challenging like in the back in the field guys were you know doing it at times and making it work okay but for the most part the good guys were just running extremely hard you know in three and four and keeping their momentum up but yeah, I thought it got wide enough that the diamond line started to to be really hard to do. Mm -hmm. What'd you guys think of Corey Day? I uh, I made some guy mad on Facebook, I guess, because I said there's a difference in racing in California and then traveling east and racing in the Midwest. And, and I think you guys you guys can <laughs> both attest to that because you did. I mean, you did that yourselves. Um, yeah. But we've all known how good he is and how impressive he is. He's run in the Midwest <clears throat> before. Um, but it takes it takes some an adjust an adjustment, right? To to kind of adapt to these type of tracks and this type of competition. But uh, I thought he was really impressive on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I was just say I, I don't think it's necessarily adjusting to the racetracks. I think it's just more so adjusting to the competition. Um, the competition is good in California, but you get stuck racing the same guys. You get, you, you just get stuck at that you know, level where once you get to the outside of California, whether it be Midwest or East coast, wherever you know, the competition, most nights is, uh, you're racing with guys that you've never, or you don't have much experience racing with. They race at a different pace, I think from start to finish. Um, so I think just adjusting the more so that is, is, tougher maybe when brad and i grew up in california i feel like for me anyways when i grew up in california like every racetrack was heavy and rough and you put 30 tear offs on every night where now when i watch videos of california the the tracks actually look racy and slick and so i think drivers are probably getting more adapted to that already you know racing at home and then when they come to the midwest it's just adjusting to the competition i think for a guy like Corey, who's so good yeah. yeah, and there's a obviously any anytime you go, you know, to like more of a national, you know, series or things, the, the talent pool is much bigger. And when you're racing at in California, you're kind of, you know, going against there is a lot of talent in California. There's no doubt. You look at Justin Sanders and Shane Golovic and you know Corey Day and, and Dominic Selzy, these guys could travel, you know, and and Colmacito, like there's they're, like they're all there. You know, they're doing a good job. Kokomo, I think, fits the driving style. But I think what I was probably the most impressed about with Corey is, and I've been watching him quite a bit. Uh, I mean, he jumped in that car. That's a That was a brand new car for him to jump in. And, you know, a, a new track. And he just looked calm all night, looked under control. I mean, he just has the look, you know, of not a 17-year-old. And um, he, he reminds me, you know, of things that I see with Kyle at times just from, from me watching you know, he's got a long way to go and, and who knows how he's going to develop. You know, everybody always wants to compare the next guy to the, the next guy to the next guy. But, um, you know, I would say Corey uh, right now to me uh, is, you know, definitely has a lot of potential. And I think he's got a, a very big skill set for how young he is. And uh, I think you saw that on display. I think a lot more people are going to start seeing that, 
uh, as he travels more and starts, you know, going to some of these bigger events and, and bigger races outside of California. But uh, I was very impressed for sure. Yeah, that dash move, Kyle, that like, you know, that you you went in there and, and slid up and he just got on the brakes and, and turned back underneath you. Was that did you expect that was was that was the move you made kind of your only option or, or what did you think of that? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought. Honestly, I thought I got to him late enough down the straightaway that I was going to sur- not necessarily surprise him because I think he expected the run. But I thought that maybe because I was far enough behind him he was just going to chase it in with me and I would, I would beat him because he'd slide himself or, or whatever. And I would beat him on distance and, and all that. But I mean, he lit, as soon as he lifted, I was like, I'm, I'm beat. Like, I, I know like that was a great move. So, um, that's really like the first time I've, I know I've been in, in races with him, like on the track with him at the same time, but that's the first ever time I've gotten to race with him. So that was a lot of fun. And, and like Brad said, I think, you know, he reminds me a lot of myself and, and he got to run the 57 you know, W out West with Paul. And, uh, even Paul said like, he, he's got a lot of the same qualities and, and driving style as me. So it was fun to get to race him and see him, you know, setting the pace that he was and, and keeping up with him. And then you know, set my own pace once I got by him. So, um, I know we'll, we'll get the chance to race with each other a lot more in the future. He's only 17 and still in high school. So um, he's definitely the best that's been in a wing sprint car at that age in a long time. Yeah. Kid's good. And he's, uh, he's in the seven BC for the rest of the high limit races, at least. So um, we'll get to see him, see him a few more times uh, on flow the rest of the year. Um all right. Good wrap up for Kokomo. Uh, Houston's is the next race for the high limit sprint car series. That's August 15th. Um, one of the nicest facilities in the country, always great racing. You guys both had the chance to race there earlier this year, of course, at the high bank nationals. Uh, it, so it's, it's the week after Knoxville, right? Are you, are you guys getting a good feel of, of, you know, the car count and, and are guys going to be too wore out after Knoxville or guys going to be ready to race again and, and come run with us at Houston's? Honestly, you never know. I mean, when we schedule these races, you're you're always hopeful that, you know, the purses we're putting up and what we're trying to do, you know, we'll, people will get excited about it, whether it's, you know, right after the Nationals or not. It's obviously leading into the Jackson Nationals. So, you know, Todd at Houston, he has Houston and Jackson and, you know, trying to help, you know, give guys, you know, a little bit more of a reason to stay out and run Jackson. And, and we in Houston, it's a great racetrack and he's doing a lot of big things there. So having another you know, big night of racing there is important, you know, for all of us. So we certainly appreciate Todd, you know, taking the gamble and, and going on the Tuesday after the nationals. We know it's not the easiest day to take. Um, but I hope, you know, uh, Houston's kind of has a, a 410 following. Um, obviously we have a high limit following and then you have a lot of cars that are going to be in that area. So we certainly hope that we'll get, a you know, a, a, another good car count and another good field of cars to, you know, to go after that, the big purse. Kyle, what's the challenge of that place? I think we talked about this at, at one point earlier, but um, the surface there is kind of tricky. It's, it's um, you know, it, it takes some kind of understanding of how to get around there. So what do you, uh, what do you expect kind of looking ahead there? Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious what Brad thinks too, but that, you know, going to Houston's earlier this year was my first time there on the new tire. And, and I, I don't know, it felt different. Like it felt like, not as much grip, like even in the grip. So I was a little bit, took some adjusting to get used to all that and kind of how you have to drive. But 
once you get racing, it's, you know, normal, normal Houston's. I thought the track was great. You know, I, I mean, so often I feel like you watch Houston's and it takes rubber. Um, but they did a really good job with it for the, uh, the, the, I forget what they call it, but the big race. They had. The high, the high yeah. bank nationals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, think, I, I think they're getting better for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, I know that, yeah, they got good equipment and I know that Todd and his crew there, Taylor and, those guys, they work really hard and like they nailed the track. I thought like every night at the high bank national. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of nice going there. I don't think we have to worry about track prep and we are going to have, you know, one support class. I think the narrow tires actually help that place a little bit. Um, you know, so maybe we won't run quite as fast to the show at Kokomo or as Kokomo. Um, but you know, I thought the fans enjoyed that we got Kokomo done early. So who knows? We got to, we got to find out what the, what the fans, you know, what time the fans really want us to to end the races, I guess would be a good question to ask. Yeah. I skipped over that in my notes. We can backtrack before we go to go on to Knoxville. So, yeah, I mean, we were done, we were done at what nine thirteen. I think was the checkered at Kokomo. So show was efficient. It was quick. I mean, we had some downtime to do a little bit of touch up on the track and stuff, but um, it was almost still daylight when, uh, when we, got, when we got done, I like that, but, uh, but yeah, to your point, you know, I think there's, there's some folks that maybe are like, Oh, I didn't even realize that we were, we were going yet. So it's a, it's a, you got to find a middle ground, I guess, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the question that, you know, we'd like a little feedback on from the fans is, you know, what's that, uh, magic time frame? Uh, I know that it seemed at the track, the atmosphere was great, you know, in the pits afterwards, cause we did get done early. So it seems like, you know, allowing, you know, the, the races to get done early, uh, really benefits the kids and the, and the parents to, you know, to kind of have those interactions with the drivers they, they came to see and cheer on. So that seemed really good. Um, just curious from all the people watching, you know, at home, if it's, you know, too early or too quick or, you know, things like that. Cause we're always looking for, for feedback to make sure that we're improving, you know, our shows and, and we would like to listen to what, uh, people want and, uh, hopefully we can, you know, keep, keep providing the great racing and, and, and efficient time slots. And I think too, I think it's, it could be a thing where the fans just have to get, maybe have to get used to it, like used to, you know, high limit, like, a, Oh man, your high limits race on Tuesday, it's going to be a pretty quick show. Like I need to get my stuff done, you know, whether it be in the yard or whatever, you know, fans in California, like, man, I need to get my stuff done before you know, it hits a certain time. So, cause I mean, that, that is, we have lots of goals, but I think that's one of our main goals is to run an efficient program on a, you know, a midweek show to, uh, for one, I mean, I think, I think everybody at the racetrack appreciates it for sure. Cause they can get home at a decent hour and have work the next day or whatever it may be. And even at home, like I appreciate when a race is done at a good, a good hour. So, um, but, yeah, I think there is a fine line of, of a little too early, maybe. But I think if you over time get used to it, I think then it then it you know is fine. So um, I loved it being at the track, being done as early as we were, and we got to go enjoy a dinner. You know, before <laughs> we you know went home uh, it was nice. So um, it was it was good that way. I thought gives people more time to be in the uh, in the pits after the races when we run a quick show. So that's always a positive too. Yeah, yeah. No, the pits were packed. Um, it was great to see the pits packed. I think a lot of that has to do with finishing early. So, you know, those race fans, you get a chance to, to say, Hey, and take a picture or get autograph from their favorite driver. And 
I think that that ultimately grows our sport too, because yeah, there was a lot of kids there. So um, if you in, if you if your races are done at eleven eleven thirty, it's like man, you gotta you brought your five or six year old son or daughter. It's like I wouldn't want to take them in the pits. You know, I would definitely not want to take my kids to the pits that late. But if it's you know nine o'clock for sure, I'm going there, and and they're probably gonna grow you know, grow up and, and love the sport because of the times that they met, you know, drivers and stuff. I remember being a little kid, taking my pillowcase around and getting it signed by, by everybody. So, um, you know, it's really important to get the kids in the pits after races. I think finishing early is, is important to that. Agreed. <clears throat> yep. No doubt. All right. Um, let's talk Knoxville. That's looming large in everybody's mind, uh, next week. You guys are uh, both former winners, so let's go around the horn. And, and uh, Brad, I'll start with you as as the the first of the of you two to win. But uh, what stands out to you about about that night and and how special it was? <laughs> it's just I I don't know. It's a, it's a hard feeling to describe for me. Just <clears throat> I've just always dreamed about winning that race. Like that was by far the most important thing it was more important i think in my mind at the time for sure than being a champion or anything it was just the knoxville nationals is just something i wanted so bad so um man when you can accomplish a dream it's like a feeling you've never had so um, i just remember you know feeling really good all week got the car really good had my mind right had my you know just was just ready to to compete for that win and uh, thought we executed really well and had a great car, won the race, the green white checker with Donnie is something I'll never forget. Just that feeling of, you know, got to hit, you know, four perfect or two perfect laps on the bottom at Knoxville and was able to do it. It still gives me chills when I go back and watch it. Um, you know, just, man, that's, that was crazy. Uh, the pressure that was right then and there. Um, and then honestly, just the, just the celebration, you know, just being with family, friends, my crew, you know, just the, with Casey, Kyle ran third, just, just everything that was right then. And then, uh, singing with Tim Duggar late into the night, <laughs> celebrating all night long. Uh, just a night I'll never forget. It was just, it was, you know, one of those nights that, uh, it's just a great feeling to, to win. And it's such a great event. Uh, whether you win or lose, it's, it's still just a fun week at Knoxville, but there's nothing like winning the Knoxville nationals. Kyle, did you have time to even like really process yours? Cause you had to go race the cup car the next day. Right. So yours, I imagine your celebration was a little briefer than Brad's, but, uh, <laughs> how did, how did it, how did it kind of settle in for you? Yeah, no, I, I hope, uh, I hope I can win the Knoxville Nationals someday again, whenever I'm done, you know, cup race. And just because I didn't get to celebrate, like I didn't get to even see my team. You know, I went from the races, you know, every Saturday night get done so late and, and media takes a lot, pictures take a long time. The media center takes a long time. I mean, it was like almost one in the morning by the time I got done with media. And yeah, I mean, I ran to the pit area real quick, said, congrats everybody and bye. And that that's all <laughs> the chance I got to see my guys. And then you hop in the car, go to the airport, fly to Indy. I think we walked in the motorhome at like almost four in the morning and I had qualifying at like nine 30. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I didn't get to do any celebrating and it, it, I remember like, you know, 
the next day, like didn't even, it didn't even feel real that I won, you know, the Knox and Astros. Cause I think you dream of winning the Knox and Astros. You dream of having a night like Brad did, you know, like celebrating and, and hanging out and singing into the night. And, uh, I didn't get to do any of that. So, um, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I hope, I hope I can at least experience it, you know, again down the road and really get to enjoy it with, you know, my family and friends and all of that. So, um, even when Brad won, like I, I wanted to be there so bad to just, you know, hang out and, and get to, you know, enjoy it with him because, you know, he dreamt of winning the Knox Nationals and, and, you know, I ran third and got to witness it and, and share the stage. And it was just, you know, he's my brother-in-law. Like I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there and, and hang out and celebrate, but, uh, the day job, uh, sometimes gets in the way of, of things like that, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it's all part of it, but, uh, it's cool that, that both of us can say we've won, you know, NASA nationals, Kings Royal, stuff like that. What does it do for a guy's year when you win a race like that? Like even, even for you, Kyle, as a guy that's not a full-time sprint car guy, what mm-hmm. does a win like that do for, for the rest of your season? Well, for me, I don't know. We had a great year going in all types of cars I was running, you know, that 2021 is, is definitely the best year to date. Um, for me, you know, won a lot of big races, you know, even won a crown jewel in a, in a late model that year. Um, you know, won some in the midget as well, the cup car. So like with each win, it just kind of, I guess, gave you more confidence. And, and I think in the middle of it, you're like, man, like this is a, you're putting together a really good year and it makes you want to like continue that on. So, um, but yeah, I think it's definitely probably a different, different feeling for a, for a full-time sprint car guy. But, um, you know, it was, that was just a great season and I, I hope I can have another one like it someday. Yeah. I feel like the, like in, you know, you only get so many chances as a wing sprint car racer to, to win a crown jewel, you know, put your name on those trophies each year and, and win that amount of money. So, you know, it's getting more and more, you know, now, like you, you have the Eldora million this year, Houston's high bank nationals, you have the Kings Royal and the Knoxville nationals. And there's other events that are growing too. Um, but when you win one, it's just, it just makes everything feel like it's a good year. Honestly, you could have had a bad year right up to it, win that and you, you kind of feel like you have a good year. Um, it takes a lot of pressure off the team's, morale gets much higher. You get confidence, um, you know? So yeah, you always want to win a crown jewel in sprint car racing. I feel like that's, there's only three or four or five of them every year that, that you get a chance to win. Um, so yeah, it's certainly a, a great feeling and it's certainly really good for the, for the race team. Hard to believe it's already here, already August and, uh, biggest sprint car race in the world looms large. Next the granddaddy week. of them all. That's right. That's right. It's here. So, all right. Um, let's do hold them or fold them before we get out of here. I think we all agreed that we're going to, that we want to hold wing sprint cars at Kokomo. Um, we've explained that we love, uh, love what kind of show it puts on there. What did we decide for full? Do we have a fold them this week? Mm. I don't know. I don't. I still think I still think we're good. I think I still love a uh, single division sprint car racing. So I I stick with folding support classes. But you know, maybe maybe not. Maybe if it was perfect, we wouldn't. But I don't really have a great fold them um, this week. So we we'll have to lay, we we'll have to rely on Kyle to come up with one. 
<laughs> I don't I don't have a foldum, but I thought I thought all the non-win guys did a really good job at Kokomo and you I mean KT surprised the heck out of me. You know, he qualified well, you know, made the dash. I saw his nose you know, once in the feature when I was running second. So I thought he did a really good job. Logan, C V ran in the top ten. CJ Leary did a really good job at Eldora. Yeah, finished twelve at the million. Yeah, Jake Swanson's been getting better. So I'd like to hold non-wing guys, you know, putting a roof over their head and, and getting mounting the wing on. So yeah, I'm a big, big fan how of about, the How about I'll hold Dylan uh not calling our work area the indie finishing metal work area? Indie metal finishing topic. work area. Yes. So yeah. next time you'll you'll have to do that for us. But I need to, we, also I need had, to we also had driven we also had driven to save lives be a part of that event. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I need to get my uh, my sponsor list tightened up. Apparently, so <laughs> apologies to the indie metal finishing folks. We'll uh, we'll give you some love at Husets if uh, if somebody ends up back there in the work area. So there will right. be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, I think that's uh, I think that's all we've got. Good couple of weeks for the High Limit Sprint Car Series. Good couple of weeks coming up for sprint car racing in general. Of course, with uh, with the Ironman this weekend and then Knoxville, everything that's going on out there. Um, starting this weekend, I guess, with 360 Nationals and then uh, Sunday with uh, kind of officially kicking the week off. So, um, guys, good luck to you. Have a good week and um, appreciate your time as always. And and uh, those of you that, that can't be at Houston's, be sure to check it out on Flow Racing, of course, as always, August the 15th. That's our next race coming up. So, guys, thank you and, and good luck again. Yeah, thanks. Yep, thank you.